If you have your Bible, and I hope that you do, if you will, take it and turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, this morning in the precious Word of God. And uh, as you're turning there, I want to uh, draw your attention to the very last portion uh, of our text, beginning in verse number 11. Beginning in verse number 11 this morning, Galatians chapter 6. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul writes to these churches and he says these words. He says, you see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule... Peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the cross which reminds us of what you did for each and every one of us. God, I pray that today that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. And so, Lord, it is my desire to please you and you alone. God, I pray that your word would speak to our hearts. God, I pray that if there's anybody in this room or anybody that's listening that has never trusted Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life, that God today might be that day that they actually come to the point where not only they realize that they are in need of forgiveness and in need of a Savior, but God, that today they would by faith believe in Jesus and place their faith in Him. God, I pray that you would be with us as we look at what your word has to say to us, God, that we might be reminded of the good news of the gospel through it all. God, as we go our separate ways, as we celebrate our time together in fellowship, the picnic to follow, God, I pray that it will be a sweet time of fellowship that might continue to bring you the glory that you deserve. God, I pray that you would have your hand a blessing on your word, and God, that you'll do as you see fit. And God, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory for it all. In Jesus' precious name and for his sake, amen and amen. This morning we've come to the end of our series, really, in Paul's letter to the churches at Galatia. And, and hopefully throughout the last nine weeks, this is the ninth message in uh, a book with six chapters, a letter with six chapters broken up for us. And nine weeks, hopefully you've been encouraged by the straightforward simplicity of the gospel. And uh, we've certainly learned a lot of different things as we've made our way through these, uh, these verses. And uh, really, 
the simplicity of the gospel verses as Paul wrote. He was writing, remember here in this book, to silence those false teachers who had risen up in the church. And so, remember, he had preached the gospel, the church had been established and, and was moving forward, and then very quickly some false teachers had moved their way in and started preaching a, a Jesus plus, if you please, gospel. And, and the reality is what these Judaizers or these false teachers, they were not completely rejecting Jesus, they just felt like Jesus had come to add uh, some new teachings uh, to their already held rituals and rules and regulations that they had. And one of the big controversies right away was the, uh, the topic of circumcision, which here at the very end of the letter Paul readdresses uh, even the issue of why these false teachers were teaching about circumcision. But uh, the reality is Jesus didn't come to add anything. He came to abolish the law. And so, remember we talked about the fact that we went from being under the Mosaic Law to being under the law of Jesus Christ. And I shared with every one of us that we have to recondition our mind that the law of Jesus Christ is the law of love. That's why Jesus says that we are to love one another and that this is how people will know that we are His disciples. And through this study in Galatians, we have learned from Scripture that our justification, that, that modus operandi, if you please, where you and I are now counted as righteous before a holy God, is seen in a few thoughts. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Our justification is, right, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And when we think about grace alone, the reality is that God's approval, His acceptance of me, His acceptance of you, is not based on my good looks or good works. It's based on everything that Jesus did for me, in me, and through me. Completely a work of God's grace. But it was through faith alone. Not only grace alone, but through faith alone. It's not a like the Judaizers were saying that, yes, Jesus might have died on the cross, but he's on, his teaching was only in a way to add something new to the law that we're already trying to adhere. By the way, that's not true, and I'll show you here in just a second, but the reality is that we understand God's grace, but by faith alone we trust Jesus Christ. You think about Ephesians 2 and verse number 8. The Bible simply says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift. I love gifts. Anybody else love gifts? To be honest with you, the only thing greater than receiving a gift is giving it. Have you ever given a gift? I hope you have. <laughs> You're like, no, we don't give gifts. We're angry. If you've ever given a gift, have you ever looked at the eyes of somebody? If it's a good gift, sometimes we give bad gifts. Oh, but I'm so thankful that every gift from God above is perfect, right? Oh, yes, Jesus gives us good gifts. By grace alone, through faith alone, we have been saved. Faith in Jesus Christ is the only way to be justified by God, but it's in Christ alone. In fact, in our study, very quickly, back in Galatians chapter 2, as a reminder, look at verse number 16. The Bible says this, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, what does it say? But by the faith of Jesus Christ. 
even when we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be what? Oh, listen, quit trying to work your way to heaven. Quit trying to buy your way to heaven because you'll never succeed. Oh, Galatians 3 actually reveals, if you read that entire passage, it actually reveals the supremacy of Jesus Christ. In fact, everything we find in the Old Testament with the regards to the covenant given to Abraham and the law that was given to Moses was and is confirmed and accomplished in none other than Jesus Christ. And you know where he accomplished it? On the cross. He accomplished it all on the cross. Willingly. In Galatians chapter 3, I referenced this briefly last week, but at the end of Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26 and following, the Bible says this, it says, For ye are all the children of God, how? By faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, here's great news, and then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Oh, I'm so thankful that we've been freed from the law. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Some of you aren't sure. I'm thankful I've been freed from the law. I'm thankful that I have been freed from the curse and dominion of sin. Oh, listen, sin does not have to reign and rule in our lives. We have a Savior, Jesus Christ the righteous. And it's incredible to know for me, I don't know about you, but it's incredible for me to know that at the very moment that I repented of my sins by faith, at that very moment that I believed the gospel and that I received the gift, I'm talking about good gifts, when I received the gift of God's grace, His amazing grace, by placing my trust and confidence in the risen Savior of the world at that very moment, not after I did that and then gave to the church, not after I did that and served in the nursery, not after I did that and worked in Awana or upper basketball, at that very moment God says, justified. I don't deserve it, God. And he says, yeah, I know, but because you honored my son by repenting and placing your faith in my son's work, I count you as if you have never sinned. What? That's a good God. Oh, some of the most amazing gifts. Listen, God, he credits the righteousness of Jesus Christ to my account and to your account. Simply by faith trusting in Jesus as our Savior. That seems like not, not a huge deal, but it is. When we say, God, I realize that there's nothing that I can do to earn my way to heaven. God, there's nothing that I can give to get there. But God, I believe that you loved me so much that you willingly sent your son to this earth to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless, spotless life, to die on the cross of Calvary, to be buried in a borrowed tomb, and then the three days later to rise victoriously. God, I believe that you did that for me, and I trust Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. At that very moment, God says, boom, justified. That's good news. And you know what? That's good news for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord all around the world. Which is why I'm getting crazy about missions revival. And today, look at verse number 14. Because truly we have come to the apex 
I believe, you say, well, justification is the apex. No, I believe we come to the apex of our study today. Look at verse number 14 here. As Paul writes and he concludes, he says, but God forbid, in verse 12 and 13, he's told you how these Judaizers, how these other people were wanting to glory in the flesh. But he says in verse number 14, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, And I unto the world, truly as believers, everything that we are, everything that we have rests completely, wholly, nothing else added in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. When we look at the cross, we remember, we reflect, but man, when you look at the cross, you ought to be rejoicing in what Jesus did. And that's good news. I guarantee you that you might not hear that message going down the road at some of these churches, the good news of Jesus Christ. Man, we ought to celebrate the good news. Oh, we can rejoice in Jesus. Travis had given me the opportunity to read some of a book that he's reading for school, and the book is entitled The Cross of Christ by John R.W. Stott. And in his book, he reminds us, he says these words, he says, every religion and ideology has its visual symbol which illustrates a significant feature of history or beliefs and I say he's right he went on to share how different religions down through the years and even secular groups had universally had selected these universally recognizable symbols and um, the idea of branding so to speak and he said these words he says when speaking about the cross of Christianity he said The cross, which is now the universal symbol of Christianity, was first avoided, not only for its direct association with Jesus Christ, but for its shameful association with the execution of common criminals. Because of this connection, the reality is that he mentioned that it wasn't much, it was much later, even until the second century, that the cross was used as a recognizable symbol of Christianity. But I'm here to remind each and every one of us, even in the two ordinances of the church, which we celebrate, ordinance of baptism, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, even in these ordinances, the cross is evident. You think about it, in baptism, we celebrate our identity with Jesus Christ through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And when we gather to partake of the Lord's Supper, by the way, when we have the Lord's Supper, everyone should be here. I don't understand it. That's an opportunity when we celebrate the Lord's Supper that we get around and we remember what Jesus did on the cross when his body was broken And his blood was shed. Oh yes, the cross is incredibly important. And Paul says here, he says, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking this week as I was preparing notes and everything, I I had like three different songs. And I'm sure I won't be able to get to all of them. But I want to read you one of those old iconic songs from Isaac Watts. That says, When I survey... The wondrous cross. Listen to these lyrics. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. Notice what he says. My richest gain. I count but loss. And poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord. Here he's quoting what the Apostle Paul said here in this passage. He says, forbid it, Lord, that I should boast 
save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me the most, the things that I get excited about the most, he said, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine that were a present far too small? Love so amazing, so divine. Notice what he finishes up with. This is where we don't, we, we like don't, we whisper these words. Demands my soul, my life, my all. Oh, this is what the Apostle Paul was saying. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's been said many times that we'll never be all in with our walk of faith until Christ is in all of us. But I have a few questions. Do we as believers, as Christians, do we count the world in our richest gains as loss? You see, because as I look around, I don't believe that's how we operate. Do we truly boast in the cross alone? Do we honestly sacrifice everything for Jesus? Oh, my friends, no matter what comes our way, I want to encourage us all to let our lives be consumed, let our lives be mastered and obsessed with the one thing that Paul said he gloried in. And he said, I glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. Listen, if I focus, if my focus... I'll put it on me. If my focus is all about what I had, what I have, or what I will have, then honestly, I can tell you I've wasted my life. If I'm only concerned about what Greg gets, what Greg has, and what Greg's going to get, then I have truly missed the mark. I've wasted my life. Because at the end of it all, nobody will remember a thing about it. They'll say, you know what? That guy was a selfish, stingy dude. He never cared about anything but his own self. Oddly enough, I think this is what Paul is trying to encourage us today. When he says here in verse 14, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, if we're going to glory in anything, Paul is saying we need to be boasting in the cross. And do you notice something about what Paul says here in this verse that's on the screen? He doesn't say that the cross is one of the things he should glory in. He says, it's the only thing I should be glorying in. In other words, Paul was saying, there's no room in my life to glory, to rejoice, or to be consumed by, or to be obsessed with anything other than what Jesus Christ did on the cross, where he bled, where he died to pay the debt I didn't owe, and the debt that I couldn't pay. Oh, listen, we've come to the apex of the message, and so simply the message is, as we go out these doors, God help us to glory and to boast in the cross. Of Christ. The reality is, and I didn't wear it, but the reality is we, we think about, you say, you might be saying, even right now, you might be saying, well, what's, what's the big deal? You talk about going out and boasting in the cross. What's the big deal? Well, you see, the problem is in our culture today, we have gotten so far to where we have glamorized the cross. But that was not so in the Apostle Paul's day. You see, today, we put crosses just about everywhere. Got one hanging up on the wall behind me. We got it out front. We got one over by the elevator. We got crosses on tables and stands. We got crosses on walls. 
We got crosses on chains. We wear them around our neck. We got crosses tattooed on our bodies and on and on. We have gotten to the point where the cross, the cross, the cross, the cross, the cross. We got crosses on our T-shirts, right? We got crosses everywhere. And so you say, well, uh, you're asking me to boast or to glory in the cross alone and that should be my focus. What's the big deal? The big deal is to understand to whom Paul is writing and when he's writing. You see, because he's writing to a group of people that for them... The cross was a horrible, horrific form of torture. When he says, and he's referencing the cross of Christ, this is not only the instrument that was used to punish and to kill people, but the cross was used, it was the tool that was used to demean people, to humiliate people. But Paul's life had been so radically changed because of Jesus that he knew that only the message of Christ was what had the power to change lives. You remember he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 18 and 23 that the preaching of the cross was foolishness and a stumbling block to some of the people who would listen to it. In fact, if you go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in verses 1 and 2, he says he came to the church of Corinth with much fear and much trembling, but he said, I came to you only preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, that's all I knew. I didn't come with power or wisdom of man. He said, I came in the demonstration of the power of the cross. The barbarous method of execution by crucifixion had been adopted quite honestly, by the Romans, and they had sought to refine it, so to speak. You say, refine it, what do you mean? They had sought to refine the idea of crucifixion by stripping a man naked, placing him on a tree, this is refining it, driving stakes and nails through a criminal's hands and through their feet, and then raising the person up so that people could come by so that people would have an opportunity to come by to ridicule them, curse at them, and spit on them. This is how it was refined. Now, go back. Paul is saying, these Judaizers were trying to get, they were trying to glory in the flesh. See, they were trying to get people circumcised, not because they really believed that circumcision was, was part of salvation. That's what they were preaching. That was the false message they were preaching. But he says the reason they were doing it is so that they could glory. They would have something to celebrate in, something to brag in. It's almost like churches do today. Well, we had 4,000 today, Brother Greg. Mm-hmm. Well, God bless you. Right? We're to do the best with what we have when we have it. we got to get to the point where we stop counting number and we start looking at hearts and lives. But churches do it. They start playing the comparison game. We look at what someone has or what somebody doesn't have and we think that's the measure of ministry and the measure of God's blessing on a ministry. The reality is that Jesus is the only reason we gather for worship. Therefore, we ought to worship Him in spirit and truth. We ought to celebrate what He has done on the cross of Christ. I think of uh, what Paul said in Galatians 2.20. At the very beginning, remember, he says, I am crucified with who? He says, I'm dead to the world, I'm dead to the uh, lust of the flesh, I'm dead to all these other things. Now we know he still had flesh and he still struggled because Romans 7 says the things that I know that I should do, those are the things that I don't do. And the things that I know that I shouldn't be involved in, those are the things that I find myself doing. 
So we know that he wasn't superhuman. But Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. The apostle Peter, he actually agreed in speaking of Jesus as our example in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. Peter writes this, he says, Who, speaking of Jesus, his own self bear our sins in his body. How? On the tree. On the tree. That was a sign of somebody who was cursed to death. In 1 Peter 3, verse number 18, he encouraged those dispersed Jews all over the known world at that time by saying these words. He, saying these words, he said, For Christ also hath once suffered for our sins the just, I love that, the just for who? You know who the unjust is, right? Yeah. I always, I always remind people that when we point fingers at people, I'll point at the wall. We, we got one finger pointing at somebody, but remember, you got three more coming right back at yourself. Oh, we need to be pointing at ourselves. We need to understand that Christ died for the just, the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Look at Galatians uh, chapter 3. I want you to see this. And I want to walk through some verses just to remind you of the power of the cross and the crucified Christ. Look at verse number 1 in chapter 3. The Bible says, O foolish Galatians. He says, I'm sorry, in chapter 3 he says, uh, uh, O foolish Galatians, sorry I need to flip a page here. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, what does it say? Crucified among you. Look down in verse number 13, same, same chapter. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made the curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Drop down to Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse number 11. And I, brethren, Paul's message is consistent. He says, and I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision... Why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the event offense of the cross ceased. He says, listen, the reason they're coming after me is because I'm preaching the true gospel that Jesus Christ was crucified for the sins of the world. That he didn't just come to add some other instructions or laws. I'm telling you that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, that's how you're saved. Oh, Matthew, uh, Galatians 5, 24 Look at verse 24, it says, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And then verse 12 of our text, As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. Look at that word, only. Why? Why do they want to do it? Only, lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Oh, the bottom line is that we tend to boast in everything under the sun. And Paul says, listen. He says, quit boasting in everything else. The only thing that we should, if you want to say it this way, the only thing that we should celebrate is what Jesus has done for us. That he tilled the soil of our hearts and that his word fell upon the good soil. And as I said in uh, the earlier Bible study hour, that he dug us up out of the pit out of that miry clay, and he established to set our feet on the solid rock. He says, if you want to glory in something, glory in that. Oh, listen, I look around. And by the way, when I say these things, I'm guilty too. But we glory in just about anything these days. These days we glory in our houses. 
We glory in our cars. We glory in our jobs. We glory in our kids. I got excited yesterday about what my youngest son was doing over at West Virginia University, and I had to check myself. Chuck was there. I had to check myself because I was so excited about what Casey's doing, but I wasn't excited about the fact that he made a, a, a basketball team over there. I was excited about the fact that he said practices don't interfere with my classes, but I was more thankful that he says, and they don't interfere with the Bible study that I've joined. We got to be careful about glorying in our kids. I rarely find that spouses glory in one another. But it happens. It might not be on the top five list of family feud, but it happens. <laughs> Glory in the spouse. <laughs> right? We don't do that. Maybe you do every once in a while. <laughs> when your husband does the dishes on occasion. Some of the wives are looking at me like, Husband does the dishes? <laughs> it happens. Oh, listen, Paul knew that without Christ's sacrificial death on the cross for us, that the forgiveness of sin and our salvation would not have been possible. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, listen, folks, our freedom has only been made possible by that wonder-working power. Oh, there's power, 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 as we used to sing, in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm reminded that it's wonder-working power to save a wretch like me. Oh, listen, we owe our righteous standing before God completely to Jesus Christ and the cross that he died on. Oh, listen, Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 12 proclaims, Worthy is the Lamb. Oh yes, folks, he's worthy to receive power. Notice what it says. He's worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Why is he worthy? Because he is the one that has set us free. Oh, without him, we would all be men and women most miserable this morning. And so quickly, as we wrap up our series, if you're a note taker, I'm going to give you some things that why, some reasons, not some things, but some reasons why we should boast in the cross of Christ. Number one, we should boast in the cross of Christ because the cross reminds us of the reality of sin. It reminds us of the reality of sin. Under the law, we were slaves to sin. Galatians 3.24 says that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Oh, but thank goodness, as Galatians 5.1 says, we've all been set free in Jesus Christ. Under the law, we were slaves to sin, but under the law, we were dead to our sin. In verse number 11 of chapter 3, the Bible says, But that no man is justified by the law in sight of God, for it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made the curse for us. You know, Scripture confirms Scripture. I love what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus over in Ephesians chapter 2. He says that before Jesus came in, that you and I were actually dead in our trespasses and sins. But by God's amazing grace, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we have been made alive. 
we have been set free. Oh, listen, under the law, we were slaves to sin. We were dead to our sin. We were hopelessly lost. As I said, be very careful that you don't get caught up in that little hamster wheel where we, everything I do, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing. I'm such a good servant of God. I pray all the time. Be careful of that too, you know where you get to the point where you get so spiritually that halo's on so tight where you say, look at me, look at me, I pray right, I give right, I worship right. Oh, because then I think we get to the point where we're just like that little hamster trying to earn our salvation. You can do, 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 and do until you're blue in the face. But if Jesus isn't inside of our hearts, we'll never receive forgiveness of sin and we'll never, never, ever spend eternity with him. Oh, Jesus is the only way Right? He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father, he said, but by him. Oh, listen, we have to understand that superficial religion or religiosity will not change our eternal, eternal destination one bit. But sadly, we live in a time where many people publicly declare their loyalty to Jesus while privately denying him the same loyalty he deserves and demands. If we're not careful, much like the so-called religious leaders of Jesus' time, we too, as John Stott wrote, allow, listen to what he says, we allow the same evil passion influences to affect our contemporary attitudes towards Jesus. We resent his intrusions into our privacy, his demand for our respect, his expectation for our obedience. Instead, we ask, why can't he mind his own business and leave us alone? To which he instantly replies that we are his business and that he will never, ever leave us alone. To which we, uh, so we too perceive him like those shouting for his death as, as a, a threatening rival who disturbs our peace, who upsets our status quo, who undermines our authority and diminishes our self-respect we too, like those who shouted for his death, he says, we too want to get rid of him. Oh, we have to be very careful because the cross reminds us of the reality of sin. We have gotten to the point where I was telling somebody the other day, it's crazy to me, but we've, some of us, uh, I look around and I see people all around the world who are singing, oh, how I love Jesus, but have secretly said, oh, how I will not obey him, how I will not serve him, and oh, how I will not worship him. How crazy is that? We love the convenience factor of Jesus. We've gotten to the point where we celebrate the fact that with Jesus we get a free ticket to heaven. But we forget that that free ticket came with an awful, awful price. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh listen, before we ever see the cross as being something done for us that leads to our faith and worship, we must see the cross as being something done by us, leading to our own repentance. It was author Peter Green who once stated, only the man who is prepared to own his own share of the guilt of the cross may claim his share of its grace. In his hymn, "'Twas I that did it, Horatius Bonner declared, and you probably have never sung this hymn, but listen to the words that he said. He said, "'Twas I that shed the sacred blood. I nailed him to the tree. 
I crucified the Christ of God. I joined the mockery. And of that shouting multitude, I feel that I'm the one. And in that din of voices rude, he said, I recognize my own. Around yon cross, the throng I see, mocking the sufferer's groan. Yet still my voice, it seems to be as if I mocked him alone. Oh, my friends, we see the reality of our sin. And Paul says, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Jesus our Lord. Oh, listen, the good news is that Jesus says he's the good shepherd. In John chapter 10, in verse number 11, he said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And in verse 18 of that same chapter, Jesus says the good shepherd, we know the rest of the story, he willingly laid his life down for our sin. We boast in the cross because it reminds us of the reality of our sin. We also need to boast in the cross because it reminds us of our Savior's provision. Christianity, as I've been harping over and over and over, is not about human achievement. It's about divine intervention and accomplishment. In the song that we sang, oddly enough, we were reminded of what Jesus said in John chapter 30 when he said, It is finished. That's good news. I'm putting an end to it all. It is finished. And when he cried out, it is finished, that's exactly what he meant. Jesus Christ has done everything for us. He's the one that not only works in us, but he's the one that works through us. Brian and Sandy Wise are here today, and I can tell you that I have not seen any missionary letter that they send out that doesn't have their life verse, Philippians 1, 6, that says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. It's only because of Jesus. Oh, that we can boast in the cross. Ephesians 2 10 reminds us that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, for which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Oh, listen, in verse 12, remember I told you, these Judaizers, they were wanting to boast in works of the flesh. They were wanting to boast in how many people they could get to, to follow through with circumcision. All these Gentiles, they were telling them, hey, if you want to be saved, you can have Jesus, but you have to be circumcised as well. And Paul said, that's a lie. That was taken care of. The first church council, you can read all about it in the book of Acts. That's a lie. And yet this is what they were teaching. But folks, when we boast in the cross, we no longer live for the applause of men. But we live with the pleasure of God. Oh, listen, the cross reminds us of Christ's provision. Next, the cross also reminds us, as I get ready to close, that this world is not our home. Oh, man, boast in the cross because it reminds us that this train is moving on. Soon and very soon, I'm going to see the king. Notice what verse 12 says of chapter 6. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should suffer the persecution of the cross. Again, the reason these false teachers were preaching a Jesus plus gospel is because they actually knew, as this verse states, that they would be persecuted if they stood completely for the truth. But notice what Paul says. In verse 17, Paul says, From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, I want us to do something before we close. If you have your Bible, please turn over and look at what the Bible says in Acts chapter 20. Because I want you to see what Paul thought. In Acts chapter 20, we come to a passage of text where they've gathered the leaders at Ephesus together. And Paul is, is sharing some final thoughts um, with these, these men and these leaders. And I want to draw your attention to what he says here in verse number 18 and following. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know that from the first day I came to Asia, after the manner I have been with you at all seasons. Notice what he says he's been doing. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in the weight of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. He said, I taught you publicly and privately, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Notice verse 24. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You see, for Paul, enduring suffering and survival was not the message of his life. The ministry and the message of Jesus Christ was. He says, I don't, I, I'm not worried about all the persecution that I have faced. I'm not worried about the times that I was beaten and left for dead. What I'm most concerned about is that I communicate the message of the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. Oh, listen, he counted it a privilege to suffer for Jesus Christ. You remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it gives us this whole list of things that happened to Paul. And then you get over in chapter 12, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and he says he had this thorn in the flesh. And he talks about the fact that he besought the Lord three times about this, this thing that was besetting him in the flesh. And, and the thing is that he calls out upon God, he calls out upon the God, and God keeps on saying, nope. Nope, nope. Have you ever called and asked the Lord for something and the answer is no? It happens because God is working all things together for our good. And so he says, no, no, no. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 12 in verse number 10. Notice what he says. He says, I take pleasure in my infirmities. I take pleasure in my infirmities and in my reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, he says, then am I strong. Oh yes, Paul knew that this world was not his home. He knew that he was moving on, that he was simply a stranger and a pilgrim in this land. And Jesus, Jesus willingly laid down his life. And he was resolved, Paul. Jesus laid down his life. Paul says, I'm going to willingly lay down my life in response to how Jesus laid down his life. He says, I don't count my life dear. Remember in verse 17, he says, let no man bother me from henceforth. 
He says, let no man bother me from henceforward. Look at verse 17. He says, for I bear in my body the works of the Lord Jesus. Oh, yes, the cross of Christ was central to Jesus' mission. And the cross of Christ will be central to how you and I live our lives. Paul was indifferent to the persecutions and the praises of the world. By the way, sometimes it's not the persecution of the world that gets us off track. It's the praises of the world. People will praise you and praise you and then all of a sudden we get off track and we start glorying in, in something other than the cross of Christ. We start glorying in our own talent. We start glorying in our goodness or our whatever. The reality is anything I have, anything that we have has been given to us from Jesus. And so that's why Paul says, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus. Oh listen, Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 and I shared the first part of that verse earlier, he said, but in chapter 2, verse 20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. Notice what he says. He says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, yes, the cross reminds us that the world is not our home and then I close with this. We boast in the cross because the cross reminds us that Jesus Christ is our everything. He's everything. Without Jesus Christ, there's nothing to boast in him. He says in John chapter 15, without me, you can do nothing, no matter what you're struggling with today. Can I say this as I close? Seriously. No matter what you're struggling with today, Maybe you're dealing with something that just keeps on wreaking havoc in your mind, mentally. It just presses upon your mind. You wake up in the night, you're thinking about it, you're having, you're having dreams about something that is wreaking havoc in your life. No matter what you're struggling with, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, right? None of those things have taken place outside of the purview of our great God. He knows what we're going through. And if we would just take time to take a step back, I believe sometimes, and focus on the cross of Christ. You know, Paul said to the church at Coloss, set your affections on things above. If we would focus on Jesus Christ and him crucified, if we would boast in the finished work of the cross, I believe that the struggles and stresses of this world would grow strangely dim in the light and the glory of His grace. Oh yes, my friends, the cross is where our sins have been put to death. The cross is where our forgiveness has been secured. The cross keeps us focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to join me in a word of prayer as we close this series, as we think about all that we've learned from the very beginning of what God, through the Apostle Paul, wrote to the church at Galatia to this last message. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
all that we've learned, I pray that you will be willing to do business with the Lord as he has revealed himself through his word to you today. You might be here today and you might say, you know what, I've never trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Heard a lot about Jesus, studied a lot about Jesus, but I've never really been compelled to call out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin and to trust him as the Savior of my life. Can I beg you? Can I beg you? Do not walk out of this room. Do not head to the hamburger and the hot dog stand of the picnic without Jesus. Trust him today, right? The Bible says today is the accepted time. Now, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. The Bible says that if we'll call out upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. I pray that you'll do that today as the Lord leads you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy in our lives. And even as was mentioned in our prayer of offering earlier, God, that your mercies are new every day. God, we thank you for the grace and the mercy which each of us have received. And even those that have never called out upon the name of the Lord have in some measure received mercy and grace already. But God, I pray that if there's someone in this room that has never trusted Christ, that today they would literally quietly unto themselves, that they would desire from their heart to ask Jesus to please forgive them of their sin. Oh, what a great opportunity. You may be saying, well, how do I do that? If you're here and you've never done that, you simply are recognizing that there's nothing you can do that merits forgiveness, nothing you can do to earn your way to heaven. And from the heart, you simply offer a prayer to God that says, Lord, I realize that I'm a sinner. Nobody had to tell me that. But Lord, I'm asking you now to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm asking you to forgive me and to save me from myself. God, I can't work my way to heaven. I've tried and it's not working. But God, I'm trusting that what Jesus did on the cross is enough. Can I tell you, Jesus is enough. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.